Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast that rocks, the podcast that actually talks about rock, metal, and everything else in the world of music going on beyond that. And today, I have a very special guest, someone that I've known for many years and I've always had a bit of an admiration for for all the work he's done. The, please welcome Nash. And Nash, I'd like you to, inter- you to introduce yourself a little bit better than I'm going to be able to. Please <laughs> explain to everyone who you are and what you do. And don't be afraid to go full on and ex- explain the madness that you have to deal with on any given topic. Uh, well, um, uh, my name's Nash. I've been doing a uh, live radio show called Radio.Air on the internet for about 19 years now. Um and uh been doing all kinds of music and stuff which has gotten way more expensive over the years Uh, (laughs) also you know kind of uh news of the weird each week we call that what the fuck is wrong with you and we record that we do it in video now but it's still it's still a radio broadcast more or less which is yeah and that's awesome i know but still for 19 years you've uh, you're one of the few people that have actually progressed and kept up to date as things have gone on well i there was no way we could just stay with the audio after what was about yeah i've been doing video 10 years when uh when you stream and Justin TV started taking off, I realized that's where things were going and I would have to transition to video or I would be irrelevant. Fair enough. I mean, that's the fact that you actually catch on to that and you didn't actually just say, you know what? No, I'm going to stick to my guns and just do this. This whole video thing's a fad, which sounds very 1940s of me to think about, oh, those talkie movies, they're not a big deal. Yeah. You you were actually willing to catch on to it. So for everyone that's trying to catch on to your show, radio, what happens on Radio Dead Air? What are some of the topics, um, some of the segments, some of the music you talk about, some of the current mm-hmm. events, things like that? Just kind of give us a rundown of what... Uh, a weekly episode of Radio Dead Air would be. Uh, I, I a lot of topics. Uh, I tend to keep up with movies, TV, pop culture, that sort of stuff. Um, I make sure I have a segment that is dedicated to deeper cuts off albums that people might not have heard, or newer albums, or stuff that's just not getting played on the top forty and Billboard and stuff like that. Um. I uh, request, I take requests every, and we get all, good Lord, do we get all sorts of weird shit there? I Uh, can't imagine. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we do the What the Fuck is Wrong with You, where um, me and my co host, Tara, we um, do about 30, 40 minutes or so of looking at the the worst of the weird news out there in the world for, for the week, which that is, yeah. Honestly, if you look at it, that's kind of a tradition for radio DJs going all the way back. I mean, every every morning DJ I've ever heard for like when it was they were still relevant um, would have a segment where they'd be like, hey, did you see this wacky news story? And, you know, I I just sort of it caught on and we have our own way of doing it. You've you've done a great job of making it. Uh, something worth watching every week, like actually having um, people help you look for these stories every week. What I admire, first of all, is that you never do stories where people get physically maimed or lives or, well, to the certain extent, lives are ruined physically or anything like that. Yeah, I, you, I've, got, I've got rules. I've got, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a supposed to be a joke segment. It's supposed to be a funny segment. So if I have some, some people doing something completely stupid and nobody gets hurt, they're just an idiot. Yes, cool. but exactly. anytime somebody gets hurt, you involve kids getting hurt. And other stuff. That's not funny. Who's laughing at that? That's, that's, that's not entertaining for anybody. 
Exactly. And I think that's what kind of really separates you from a lot of those, a lot of the yesteryear morning DJs, afternoon DJs who will do anything for a quick yuck just to fill the gap in their time slot. Well, and they will. And I still am. So exactly. There you go. And I, I, I think you could really hit this too about like 20 years ago, like right in the nineties, two thousands when Howard Stern was all the rage and that's fine. But yeah. every radio DJ and their mother were trying to completely copy him, his, um, off the cuff, just full on raunchiness, um, segments that were just dedicated to sex and drugs without any real backstory or meaning or reference. Just say, all right, we have strippers on the air today. Strippers, do something. I, I what was it? Bob and Tom in the morning. That yeah, they were they were so milk toast about it. They were they <laughs> wanted to be edgy. I haven't heard that name in years. Th oh. th they wanted to be so edgy, but they just couldn't get over that. They didn't want to. Oh, they don't want to piss off the FCC. And then there was another one. Um who is, strangely enough, kept popping up in the news, bizarrely, Bubba the Love Sponge out of uh, Tampa, Florida. Oh, yeah. I remember all his um, escapades with Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and then that whole stuff now with Tucker Carlson, all those uh, audio recordings uh. we have. The, the thing about Bubba the Love Sponge is, Bubba the Love Sponge is was the syndicated show you got in the morning when your local radio station couldn't afford Stern. Right, was, exactly. So he, was the, he was the dollar store Howard Stern. He was he was the family dollar version. That is being generous. Also, <laughs> dollar store still has some quality items. I bubble the love sponge. It's like the discount dollar store where you just get it whenever you buy another product. I, I just next one kind of bothered me too. Bubble the love sponge, but that's a whole other topic. So you've taken the format out of the morning as aspect of it. It's like, hey, we have a big wreck on 1995. You know what else is 95? This old person who can't remember to put on clothes in the shopping center. Just yeah. this totally ham-fisted, bad way of delivering things. You have segments to actually breeze through everything that people know exactly what they're getting. They know where to come for it and actually enjoy it in segments. This is the section for new music, like the musical chair or just um, newer bands that don't even have music videos for their songs yet. Stuff that you um, on, that's unheard. You have segments for the news and updates, whether that's Marvel, Doctor Who, everything going on in Game of Thrones, whatever that would be. Then you have Tara come in and bless you and Tara's hearts for dealing with the avalanche of stories that get thrown at you at a weekly basis. Well, it, it, I, I still don't know how you deal with all of that. What is, I guess that's my next question though. Um, before we get into some of the music side of it, has there ever been a story for what the F is wrong with you where you actually had to put the hard hammer down no matter how popular it was? It was a big national story or not a national, like a big story getting traction. You said, there's no way I'm touching this, not with a 10 foot pole. There, there have been several stories over the years. It's, it's hard to pinpoint one exactly. But there have been, there have been stories that have popped up in the news where people are laughing at it and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So I, I mean, it, pretty much anything that involves, um, pedophiles. Yeah. That's, that's one that, Ugh. People yeah. will will point. I think I remember the whole Gary Glitter stuff and the stuff with Jimmy Savile and all those those stories. And we have had stories where uh, guys have gone to like Best Buy to get their computer fixed and they've been busted with all this porn on there. And that's not funny. And no, people, it's not. Like, that's that ruins lives. People send that stuff in, and I'm like, do you not get? What we're this is not this. We're laughing here. We're we're not. We're not ghoulish about this, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's a that's the great barrier for it. Like you know, no one gets hurt. I mean, there's stories. Yeah. You have more than enough material to cover in the human Olympics of life that really proves stupidity that you don't have to include this stuff. I, I even, I sometimes with stories, I have to check uh, other sources and I try and dig down deeper into them just to make sure that we're not dealing with a case of mental illness or we're not dealing with, you know, extenuating circumstances because I don't, that's, that's not funny either. I, now if some idiot uh, makes up his own mind that I'm going to shove a bag of cocaine up my butt and then go speeding and get myself pulled over and then say, well, what's the one this week? Uh, a little preview for, for tomorrow. Um, okay, okay. There's, there's a dude got arrested with cocaine up his nose and said, it's not mine. <laughs> Is that what he said to the cop? <laughs> yeah. I, I have no problem laughing at that. I have no problem. Cause that's, that's right there. You know, he that's a choice that someone made. They had every chance not to make that choice, and yet they made that choice. That's fine. That's that's you can go there. No problem. Yeah. You can't feel bad for someone like that who's made a series of choices and is continuing to bury themselves by their bad choices in that. Right. Yeah. Oh, who put this there? Oh my gosh. All right. So moving on from oh, I don't even know what to call that guy. <laughs> Dusty nose, whatever you want to call him. Um, so what other thing is like going back to the music side of it, you are willing to actually showcase music that is not in the top 40. That's not even mainstream. That actually has a good song. You take requests, the stuff you find on your own and yeah. you play it for it. You don't just talk over it. You don't just say, all right, let's talk about this new song. Have you heard this out? No, you will sit back, put a visualizer up and let people listen. Yeah. Well, it's, I've, I've kind of, there, there was a radio station here in my hometown of Charleston that I grew up with in the 90s. It was called 96 Wave. Okay. Um, maybe some people, maybe some older folks listening just heard that name and, oh, yeah, I knew those guys. Um, in the 90s, Charleston actually had a pretty big music scene. And we had the Music Farm. And the, like them or hate, love them or hate them, Hootie and the Blowfish exploded. And they came out of Charleston. And um, you and huh. Edwin McGregor, or not, Edwin, not Edwin McGregor, I, I, just a couple of acts that came out of Charleston. And then there were others. And 96 Wave was kind of at the center of it. And they had they were one of the last really kind of independent music stations before things changed and just to give you an idea how they changed the when 96 wave was sold off um the last song they played was soundgarden my wave and then for the next hour you heard the charles in charge theme song because the new the new station was called chuck you know because it's charleston charlestown yeah. Chuck, Chuck. Tech. they were called Chuck. And what this station was is it was an automated DJ. Well, they had the mornings. They had they had a syndicated morning DJ who was nowhere near our hometown. And then just like 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 how it is a lot in most places these days, automated DJ. They they, they there's nobody in the booth. There is no booth. There's just a um an, an internet link that plays music based on a playlist that's being piped in from 500 miles away. Um, it didn't used to be like that. 96 wave had, uh, there was, uh, one, uh, DJ who went by the name of the critic and every Sunday night he would just play whatever he thought he could find. And I found so much cool stuff from him. I found, um, uh, Rilo Kylie from him. I found, um, 
uh, classic, uh, like dead milkman classic, uh, huh. um, uh, I'm trying to think uh, bloodletting. What's what's who did the bloodletting album? God, I'm, I know the band. Oh, yeah, I know you're talking about. Concrete Blonde. Them. Yeah. Um, bands like that. People I, I would never have heard in any other context. Um, some bands that have just like come and gone over the years, like uh, Bottle Rockets. If, if you can look up some of their songs, they were fantastic back in the day. Okay. Um, just bands that I never would have experienced on my own. And that radio station had a big influence on me i was very sad when it was gone it was it, they it died in like the mid 2000s and i was miles away living elsewhere yeah. um but that that kind of inspired me there was another radio station that inspired me uh it's still around miracle of miracles it's in tampa florida and okay. it's called uh wmnf 88.5 it's a community radio station which it's not the same as a public broadcasting it's actually a locally owned community station um they get syndicated bits from like propublica and pacifica news and stuff like that but in general what it is is people come in they volunteer their time they'll do their they, they have volunteer djs they have they bring in people they play all sorts of stuff i heard so much music i never would have heard of in any other way and that really it's in fact wmnf was the one that directly inspired me to start up uh radio dead air honestly i'm looking at the site right now 88.5 wmnf.org and yeah it says community consciousness and it just actually it looks it does not have a PBS or NPR type feel. This looks like a real homegrown uh, radio station for the city. In the morning, they would have alt country. And at night, they would have like George Clinton funk for hours. Just every kind of genre you could possibly imagine got its own slot. And it was huh. great because you would hear you would hear stuff just all mixed up. Any kind of genre. It was a great way to immerse myself in music I wouldn't have experienced because one of the things we tend to do, I think everybody tends to do, is we find our genre and we kind of lock in, and it's like horse blinders with because yeah. we have, and we miss out on other genres. And that was a good thing about WMNF because we didn't have like like in two thousand there wasn't a whole lot of options for like entertainment, like streaming. You didn't there were no iPods and no, I mean you had your CD player, which we didn't even have CD burners yet. Oh, back in the old days. Um, oh yeah, those double A drainers. I remember. But what what we did have was you'd find a radio station and you'd just leave it on. I mean, you could, and WMNF didn't have commercials, which was a bonus. So you huh. did. It was just you would put them on and leave them on, and it would just take you through all these different kinds of music, and it was fantastic. And they still do, even though they're on the internet now, and they they still have the FM station, but it, they're worth listening to if you can. Yeah, I'm looking at the site. It says right now on the air, Poetry Is from 8 to 9. Yeah. Up next, Two Worlds Indigenous Radio. So there's variety in just with that two-hour time window. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so they, that, had, they had punk hours. They had dance hours. They had um, just any, any kind of genre you can imagine. Somebody in the area was passionate about it. They went in. They pitched uh, a show to the managers, and they got it. I don't think... I'm pretty sure people do get paid there, but I don't think everybody gets paid there. There's some volunteers involved and it's, right. you know, it's, it's just for, for the love of it. And you can tell just listening to people doing it now. So much of that, like from this, like community based or volunteer based, something like this, 
as a and you have something like Radio Dead Air, which is the passion project turned into an actual career and a livelihood of someone else who is just passionate about the project. It's I, I it's a job. Let's say okay, fair career, enough. Fair kind enough. of generous. Okay, fair enough. A job for a man in Radio yeah. Dead Air. That's fine. I'll relabel. That's such a far and distant dichotomy towards what radio has become now. It is a total. Um, corporate feel for every radio station. And I'm not just talking about commercial airplay where every like every hour there's about 20 minutes of commercials worth, like give or take. I'm talking this is a corporate broadcast yeah. of making sure you hear the call letters and the broad branding of every radio station within every after every other song or so. Oh, it's it's I it, it's crazy. We have companies like iHeartRadio who used to be Clear Channel. Yeah. Uh, Chances are, if you're listening to this right now, no matter where you are in the United States, um, half or more of the radio stations in your city are owned by iHeartRadio. Um, at least half. Yeah. At least half. doesn't matter which genre they are. Um, sometimes they'll have two of the same genre. They'll own both stations. They'll play yep. competing stuff. Um, the, the, the idea, we have, once uh, deregulation hit in the Clinton era, and companies were allowed to own multiple stations in a single market. That's when we lost everything. That's when this this homogenized. We lost regional radio. We lost uh, local radio. We lost radio that was built around a town and it had its own personality, and it was part of a city. Um, we lost that when you could have like one conglomerate, and it's it's pretty much been Clear Channel since slash iHeart Radio. They're they're the major. It's the, they're kind of like the Comcast of radio. Yeah, um, they don't control everything. They control most of it, but they control so much of it. I equate it to how back in the day, before our generation, like every different car brand was its own company. Right. G yeah. GMC, Jeep, Cadillac, Ford, whatever you can think of. Now all these car conglomerates own the same brands for everything. So you have Dodge, Jeep, Chrysler all under the same company umbrella. Then you have Chevrolet, which is under GM with many others. And that's how iHeartRadio fits in, where iHeartRadio owns so many companies and actual stations within each city to the point where now we're just iHeartRadio is broadcasting, oh, I'd say seven or eight stations minimum mm -hmm. in one building. And the, the, uh, like I talked about earlier, they're not even really radio stations. They're just automated remote playlist, which is... Yeah. That's how you lose local. I, I bet you anything. If you go from city to city at the same time of day and listen to the same genre station, depending on where you are, you'll hear the same playlist. Even if you're like a thousand miles apart, that's what started ruining everything. It, it, it homogenized music. And I, I honestly think um, that uh, Shoutcast, which was the Winamp plugin that let people um, broadcast audio over the internet themselves very simply easy to do um i think napster i think all of those were a response to that homogenization of of music and the loss of of regional sounds and it doesn't matter which genre we're talking about we're all of them rock rap uh hip-hop pop all of it, it, it every genre suffered do you think with like the app uh, back in the 0203 days of Shoutcast, Napster, all those like whether it's plugins or freeware or whatever it was or peer to peer shareware, do you think after that the fight back was from so many bands, especially labels, trying to make a blow for that, and then radio stations also fighting it? Well, it, it we kind of did some of it to ourselves. I'll be perfectly honest because when okay. we got started, 
Um, there was no law. We were doing whatever the hell we wanted. We weren't yeah. worried about um, copyright or any of that sort of stuff. And here's a fun fact. Um, radio stations, terrestrial FM, AM radio stations, do not have to pay any royalties to broadcast copyrighted music. They don't. That's, yeah, and that's it's, always blown my mind, too. It's considered advertisement. <laughs> it's considered they are freely advertising. But the internet was a place where there were no regulations yet. And all of these radio stations um, and uh, record labels, artists, songwriters, ASCAP, BMI, all of that, they swooped in when they saw this air because the radio stations were already entrenched. They had lobbyists. You couldn't get pry more. You couldn't pry money out of them for playing songs. But on the internet, we were new. We were weak. We were vulnerable, and that's where we got stuff like the Library of Congress had to step in and set royalty rates so that people who were doing independent radio on their own could keep doing it. For a long time, it was a reasonable price, but then we've had new people appointed to the Library of Congress, and they're more in favor of they. they, All of these companies keep asking for more money, more money, more money even though they've never they never got any money from broadcasting their music before ever they never got a dime before internet radio they didn't get a dime from your local fm station they didn't get a dime from anybody if it was over the radio they didn't get anything and now suddenly they're like well we're losing money y- you weren't losing money before you were selling albums yeah. based off that people heard your music and they're like wow i want to buy that and they the that mentality, it, a lot of the independent stuff has gone. If I did not have the following I did, I could not keep doing the show legally. Um, it, it would be disconnected because I have to pay royalties. Um, Yearly, and, right? Yeah. And they, well, no, it's, it's difficult. Um, okay. There's a yearly base fee I have to pay. And then it's based on the number of plays uh, per month, each person listening counts as a listener and when they hear it that's that's a listener hour so i pay based on how many people were listening at the time i was playing the song i have to keep track i have to keep this stupid ass spreadsheet of uh, <laughs> artist album um time number of pl- number of view- listeners i have to keep all this stuff straight then i send in a, a monthly report to a company called sound exchange um Plus, I also play uh, ASCAP and BMI. This is how it gets done. And each month, depending on how much I uh, I played and who, you know how much music, the more music I play and the more listeners I get, the more I have to pay out. So the more successful I am, the more money I lose. So um, that's it's, quite a cycle. Yikes. Yeah. Um, but I have to keep track of these things and. I'm lucky I have any way of doing it licensed because they pushed so hard, but I still remember I worked with, there was a company called live 365. I think they've tried to reboot. Um, they were the, the big radio, the big people you could go to, to get a server to broadcast music on. And they covered your, your fees. They, they, you paid them, uh, like 20 bucks a month 
for a certain amount of bandwidth or 50 bucks a month for bandwidth listeners, however much your, your, the, the amount of listeners you had and they covered your copyright shit and it was great. And then they kept pushing for more money, more money, more money. And, and we lost them. And a lot of, a lot of independent stations went under. And that's intense to think about. I mean, like this kind of leads to my next question, like with college radio now, college radio used to be quite a big thing for like both universities and smaller co- local college towns. Now that's starting to fade off too, as you think this is kind of a direct result of that also? Well, I, yeah, it, it's, it's part of, part of that is, you know, the homogenization, the corporate radio, there's, there's no jobs for a yeah. DJ out there. There, there's the, the, you actually you either have to be Howard Stern level and have a syndication deal already in place or you're not getting on the air. Maybe you can get on NPR. Maybe you could you could find somebody in radio, but that's not that's not music radio. That's that's something different entirely. Yeah. Um, th- there's no jobs for DJs that. And I think honestly, in broadcast, maybe they'll 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 do that for broadcasting to transition to, you know television or something like that but there's nothing in in local radio there's nothing in, in that sort of range anymore that's gone that that's not a, there's no future there do you, yeah i mean it's it's hard to say because like when i growing up djs were such a big voice like oh, yeah and that's not a pun like that really was like that was a voice of your life like when you whether you listen to it in the car at home after school or after work things like that now you have playlists and you don't go to radio for music no. anymore I mean, you go back and listen and look at a bunch of different artists and their history and how they were made. What's the one I was reading about the other day? Um, it was dead. Yeah. Dead milkman. Um, had not a DJ, uh, started pushing their single. Um, I think it was bitching. Yeah. It was bitching Camaro had not a DJ been pushing that song uh, of their own volition. Um, and got airplay and got recognition and they got signed and they got bigger deals. Had that not happened, the dead milkman would have languished in obscurity. And that, uh, you know, while a lot of, uh, new music acts that got their own hustle, they're, they're, they're trying to work on YouTube. They're trying to work on streaming. And, and I, I there's quite a few, uh, musicians on Twitch, really good ones too, yeah. but it's like, everyone's busking everywhere and there's no big stage there's no big stage like radio presented and a lot i think a lot we've we've lost a lot of artists we would have found otherwise because that medium that that way of presenting it is gone yeah and going back to radio dead air that's one of the things i actually do appreciate for radio dead air after the songs you play after they like a brief intro about who you're playing and what the song is You'll show the name. You'll show the song. You'll actually find, so you can find out where to find these people. That's something that radio never even did back then all the time outside of the occasional band. Yeah. And that's kind of, it's a lost thing in that too. Well, that's, that's what I want to happen. I mean, I don't just want, I'm not just doing this for, well, I I do it because I enjoy it, but I, I want to do something more with it. And I want to get music out there that wouldn't be heard otherwise. And that's important to me. Yeah. I mean, fair enough, too. And I totally get that also. So kind of switching gears a little bit, just keeping on the music topic, though. What are some of the music that you've been playing that you've been loving that people have been referring to you or that you found on your own? And just whether you're playing that on Radio Dead Air or you're just completely enamored by it and going back to it recently, what are some of the more newer things that you've been loving? Newer things. Well, that, that's kind of, that's a tricky one there. I think, okay. Um, it doesn't have to, I mean, newer to you, I should say this. It doesn't have to be anything. Well, actually like, lately, I've that been, fresh. Um, um, black keys have a new album out. I forget what it's called. Right? No, it's called let's rock. 
yeah black yeah. kids got a new one i've been uh, i've been listening to, i i love them <laughs> i just love their style they're, they're yeah. great they're going on tour um, later this year yeah yeah uh, i've been listening to them lately there that's the newest stuff um i found myself going back to dead sarah's first album for a while okay. i mean I can't listen. Bless their hearts. I love them. I love Emily Armstrong. I love the band, but I can't listen to anything past that first album. That that EP they did. Um, actually, everything they've done since with with actual uh, with with a label behind them has just kind of their sound has gone way off kilter. They're more popish now, and I don't really like that from them. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Saint Seneca. That's that's another little indie band that I found a while back. They've got a new album out. I've been listening to tracks off that. Yeah, I'm familiar with I'm familiar with the name Saint Seneca. I'm not super familiar with the music, but I do know the name. I I come by music in weird ways. I used to, a lot of us used to just get it straight off the radio, but that's okay. changed now. I mean, now we we uh, Pandora was a great resource for a while, where you know you'd listen to something and they'd link over to something similar and you'd go down a rabbit hole and you find all sorts of cool stuff. Yep. Um, now it's like, I find music in places I don't expect. TV is honestly a weird place. You'll find a lot of music. The CW has a lot yes. of that. And they've been doing that for a while, just in the background of many, many shows that you would not expect to find music. I remember hearing stuff on arrow years ago. That was new. Oh man, I found I found so many great bands I wouldn't have found otherwise because of Veronica Mars. A little bit of a plug. Yeah, there you new go. Season. Veronica Mars coming back next next month. Really excited about that. But they had so many. I found Tegan and Sarah because of Veronica Mars. Um, Danny Warhols, obviously, uh, yeah. a lot of really cool bands. Uh, and TV is is a vector for it. I also I kind of take it upon myself to go scour. I mean, I'll do things like I'll look through uh, Amazon's. Uh, coming soon and new lists. I'll go and I'll actually sample. I'll, I'll deliberately do it because I, each week I'm looking for new stuff. Um, there's a couple of websites I look at. I look uh, for new releases just to keep abreast of what's happening and what genre, what sounds good. And that that pretty much is what it comes down to. I I, I have I, I don't know who was it who said. Oh, I I forget what movie is referenced, but it's I can listen to a track for like. 20 seconds and i'll know if it's going to be a hit i'll know if it's going to be one of those that people are going to remember and listen to over and over again yeah uh, i've heard i've heard that same quip before like you can tell right off the first opening if it's going to be something successful or not yeah and i i do that i go and i listen to samples of Bandcamp has got a bunch of stuff sound uh what was it um soundcloud yeah SoundCloud. SoundCloud yeah. Got a bunch. You, you dig down and you find stuff all over and i just sort of kind of like sift through and hoard it together and and it's 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 an active process for me now it's not like it's not a passive one like it used to be where you'd hear a track on the on the radio and you'd you'd get like attached to it and you'd you'd go and find more like it no it's you got to work at it now now it's everybody's everybody's doing it for themselves (laughs) i think a lot of people really rely on not not pandora so much anymore but still like spotify and amazon yeah. Yeah. To shuffle music and give you a playlist and hopefully give you some new songs, invite the suggestions, algorithms through search metrics and things like that. Do you think that's not so much like affecting how people search and listen for music? It's just like presenting, like hoping that they're giving you something good. I and just, and just hopefully that you're lucky. I was like, you know what? I'm going to let Spotify dictate exactly what I want. It's, the, yeah. It's useful and it's a tool we didn't have before, but I also think um, it's, it's temporary 
uh, because a lot of the internet and a lot of internet companies and a lot of platforms have all proven to be transitional in the extreme. We're not, we, we don't have companies like we used to. We don't have AT&Ts anymore. We don't have Apples anymore. We have companies that pop up for a few years and either they explode and go under or someone buys them out. And Spotify is, they're riding high right now, but who knows where they're going to be in two years. Right. And that sounds crazy, but, and Spotify to, to the way we, we gravitate to the two individual platforms, we all sort of come together around them and then they explode. We don't quite know where to go and we wait for someone else to form something, but that's not happening anymore because that there used to be a boom and bust cycle. A platform would show up and everybody would show up for a while and then it would go under. But there'd be a new one. We'd all move to the new one. Now they're not popping up anymore. So right. I don't know what's going to happen next because it and, and with the, the record companies, the labels, the artists, the songwriters, the um, the guilds, the the unions, all of them are pushing for they, they want the Internet to provide more and more revenue because they're not selling albums like they used to. Um, so that squeeze, I think it's going to make new companies even more hesitant to try to get into things. And I don't know where we're going to go. It's I don't even know how we're because we've got clear channel. We got iHeartRadio taking over terrestrial radio and the Internet radio is shrinking and shrinking. So I don't even know what we're going to do next. And like one on the side of that, one thing that is has stayed pretty statically in place is satellite radio, the outlier. Yeah. And Sir, who would have thought Sirius yeah. XM would, would have would have survived so long. Because for the longest time, it's like, why would I get a satellite dish for my car? I got the radio <laughs> now. Now it's like, yeah, yeah. You want to hear anything? It doesn't suck. You get on serious. Because yeah, I mean, and like, I think I remember like the whether subscription price it is because they're always completely in ebb and flow of what subscription price you're paying for. That yeah. could change whatever contract you're signing up for for a year, six months, whatever. But it's 150 channels of every genre you can think of, nonstop, and they record. Yep. And the DJs just record four-hour segments or so, things like that, and just play them on blast. And mm -hmm. it works. It's an it's an anomaly. It's it in theory, if you describe it out that way, you wouldn't think it would work on compared to the other formats, whether that's streaming services or FM AM radio. But satellite radio is still thriving just fine. And it's weird because satellite was supposed to be supplanted. Remember HD radio? That yeah. whole HD radio. It still exists. There's a couple around. One station would have like a bunch of different bands on HD radio and they, they could play like different. They would have one station would be like five stations. All of a sudden right. they would have five channels for one station. And it would be uh, 105.7.1 and three and 0. 0.5, 0. 0.7. Yeah, I remember that stuff. That, that didn't exactly catch on, but we stuck with satellite. It's weird. Yeah. I, I, you, just, you can't predict what's going to hit with this stuff. Yeah, you can. And also the fact that you have to pay for satellite well, you would think that'd be another out, like indicators like, nope, this is not going to last. People are not going to want to do it. But we live in an age of paid subscriptions and people yeah. can't get enough of them now. I mean, I have I have Netflix. Um, oh, I, I have a shared Hulu account. Yeah, I think they're about to start getting enough of them. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's with a Disney, whole other subject. Yeah, with Disney coming. Yes, I think people are going to finally have to start tapping out and saying, OK, I have to limit my budgets on streaming services and subscription accounts and things like that. Disney's Maybe you're right. jumping in. Warner is jumping in. Um, yeah, it's 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 about to get nuts there. So <laughs> when Disney launches, I think that'll be the 
not the biggest one, but that'll be the biggest new one to come. And I think that's going to start like um, everything branching off very hard because Netflix was king of the mountain for quite a while. You know, there's even an app now that will uh, unsubscribe for you. It, it manages all. <laughs> what? It, it manages all your subscriptions to different sites, and you can tell it, okay, I'm going to subscribe to this for one month, and then I want you to cancel my my subscription uh, on this month. So you can automate. With, like you know the show's coming out and i want to binge watch it watch the season okay the season's over um let's cancel and move on so people are adapting to this crap they they, they don't want to pay a hundred dollars a month for all these subscriptions they just want to netflix spoiled us we had 15 dollars a month and we had all you could eat and Everything. Nobody, nobody wants to go back to that so we're finding clever ways to work around that shit so we have a program system now on our smartphones and our tablets just to help us so that we won't have to keep track of all what we're all throwing our money towards blindly. Yeah, I, I want to point out, I haven't used this, so I can't call this an endorsement. Uh, okay. I, I'm just aware it exists. Um, it's called Truebill. Um, I'm just aware that, it, that it's a thing now. So we're, we're getting clever about this crap. We're not going to... I don't think these streaming services really anticipate just how we don't want to pay for crap. We don't want to yeah. pay constantly. We don't want to be nickel and dimed. That's why we left cable. Yeah, and that's why people are fed up with cable too. Everyone's trying to cut, be cable cutters now and just pay for internet. And companies like Comcast and or Comcast and Spectrum, excuse me, are just doing everything they can to keep people in contracts and keep people attached like a leash to make sure they don't leave. Yeah, I don't care about Comcast. I think they really <laughs> truly they have it coming. Um, if a company <laughs> needs to go the way of the dinosaurs, I think it needs to be Comcast. But that's oh, just yeah. me. Yes, they do. So another okay. So Radio Dead Air is going to be on broadcast on Monday evenings. You can catch up on the uh, backlog of what the f is wrong with you on YouTube as well. Yeah. Switching over to one special thing you did for your show, your series, and things like that. You built your own guitar. Yeah, yeah I did. Okay, and I you made a full video. I'm going to link it. To, I'm going to link it in this video if you're watching on YouTube. If you're watching on the website or through podcast, if you check the notes, it should be in there as well. But if you just go to the YouTube video for this one, you'll actually be able to see it in the YouTube card. In a brief summary, what was the biggest um, obstacles and just overall the hardest parts of building your own guitar? Because I don't know of many long-standing musicians celebrities like lifelong rock and roll hall of famers that would ever even consider building their own guitar all right well first off let, let's 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 put a, a big clarification let's put a big asterisk on built okay um, modern electric guitars uh they are very depending on uh, most companies i think ibanez definitely fender um gg music man um uh, just a bunch of different ones. Uh, these guitars are very modular, um, as opposed to say like a Gibson, um, solid, solid body, which is all one piece fenders and other ones with the bolt on necks. Mm -hmm. They're designed. Leo Fender was very clever. He designed these things with mass production in mind. And now, if it's not so much building a guitar, it's assembling. I think it's a good way of putting it. Okay, um, so you got the pieces together, like actually putting putting the ingredients together and actually yeah, making something. It's at, part of it is very simple because these are not they made Leo Fender designed them, and a lot of other companies took the, the design of the the Stratocaster, the Telecaster, 
most of the bolt-on neck uh, models. Um, other companies took these designs and they made their own iterations of them. Uh, most like I- Ibanez has their own iterations. Um, anything, any any neck that is, and then there's all sorts of low cost uh, imitators. These are they're designed very simply. There are four screws that hold the neck to the body. Um, all the electronics are easily accessible under a pit guard that comes off with a Phillips head screwdriver. Um, the electronics are very simple themselves. They're easy to solder. The, the, the wiring diagrams are like rudimentary. Um, so assembling one is not a huge difficulty, especially considering that with Fender, they have kept, um, a standardized, set of measurements for their parts going back to the 50s um there are some variants along the way but generally it's quite possible right now you could walk into a tar center right now and get a brand new um fender uh stratocaster off the rack and then take a neck from a 1950s fender stratocaster and put it on that body and it'll work um that's so, interesting i did not know that yeah th- th- there there hasn't they've kept things very similar that the whole vintage thing it's not difficult to now building uh, building a guitar is an entire proposition entirely we're talking like brian may and the red special and his dad built that out of a damn fireplace mantle um <laughs> no seriously look that up the red special is an amazing story he, red uh, special how, okay yeah, Brian May's Red Special, how he put that together, that was crazy. The the, the way him and his dad did that. It's it's the, the finish is Rust-Oleum, for fuck's sake. <laughs> what? Yes. Huh. Um, biggest guitarist in, his, in the world built his guitar out of a fucking fireplace. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think so, there'd be health hazards with something like that. Building is a different thing entirely. And while I'm here, I recommend a YouTube channel that okay. is very entertaining. Uh, Crimson Custom Guitars. Um, the main luthier on that channel is Ben, and he builds guitars, and he is so enthusiastic about them. He's a bit mad, and he's wonderful. And he, he goes, he, he, when I say build, he carves things from pieces of wood all the way from start to finish, from blocks to finish guitar it's amazing to watch him do it so it's beginning to end everything oh yeah oh yeah wow. it's great um he has a whole company based around that whole company the, the, they, they show people how to do it um you go and take lessons from them and they sell guitars too they sell some amazing guitars um as far as assembling one myself part of why i did that is you can really customize how you want your guitar to sound you can decide on pickups. You can decide on uh, electronics. You can decide on a lot of things that affect the tone and the final output of it. Um, and by assembling it yourself, you, for one thing, you can you can save money. You won't always, but you can. Just give you an idea. Um, I have a Telecaster I assembled recently from parts. Um, eBay a lot of parts and I think I spent grand total of maybe $350 on the parts for the the Telecaster and just assemble and I assembled it and there were some hitches here and there because I made some poor decisions without complete research but 
$350, I, I threw together a Telecaster out of, out of just parts. And, and, how, and how much would that the equivalent of that guitar cost you at a guitar um, center or, or a commercial guitar shop? That one, based on the parts I used, based on the pickups I used, um, that would be a $600, $600, dollars $700 model. So I got so I, I made for about half the price, yeah. Right. So you're saving over half the money on the same quality guitar, if not better, because you can customize it to whatever you yeah. want. Yeah. Um, that, that's huge. Yeah. Um, there, another way of doing this is, and this is especially for beginners, um, you can take a low-quality uh, student guitar. Because most of them these days, while they are made in places like India, Indonesia, uh, Korea, um, Taiwan, while they're made overseas, the quality is really good um, and comparable. I mean, it, it, there's no real magic mojo in hunks of wood. I, I don't care what anyone tells you. It's a hunk of wood's a hunk of wood. Um, as so long as it's cut to the right dimensions and it's compatible with things. Squire right now makes a line. Um, they're called uh, Classic Vibe, Squire Classic Vibes. They're very inexpensive compared to full-on Fenders, but what makes them notable is less expensive Squires are not built to the same specs. They, they look like Fender guitars, but they're not built to the same specs. The measurements don't work. The parts are incompatible. The Classic Vibe ones, however, are built to the measurements and stuff of the, you know, like 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s guitars. So while they're not, you know, made in America or made in Mexico, um, you get those, they're good starter guitars. And then as you go along the line, you could upgrade the pickups yourself. Upgrading pickups is simple. Uh, I mean, you have to learn how to use a soldering iron. That's it. It's not hard. Um, you can upgrade the pickups yourself. You can have a guitar that grows with anything. Uh, Billy Armstrong. Um, Green Day. Green Day, yeah, Billy Armstrong. He his his main guitar is a Squire that he has. He started with, and he's upgraded, and he's kept it for years. Um, that there's, it's just a piece. You gotta really assess anyone who claims there's mojo in these things is uh, a little bit full of shit. You mean my magic trumpet doesn't actually make it magic? It's actually the person behind it. Hunk of wood's a hunk of wood. Yeah. Um, let me let me uh who's this other there's another website i could uh, not website a youtube channel YouTube i channel? recommend okay. um, another guitarist guy um daryl braun b-r-a-u-n daryl braun guitar okay he does really cool stuff with guitars he he shows you uh he 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 shows new products but he also experiments with guitars he took a a, a, a solid body electric guitar and started cutting pieces off of the body off the wood till it was like maybe 30 percent of the guitar was left just to demonstrate that their tone wood is bullshit that that a certain wood requires a, a, gives a gives a tonality to an electric guitar to an acoustic sure but not to an electric because all the sound is going off out over the magnets of the pickups they're they're microphones so he yeah he cut the the guitar to pieces and played it with like hardly any guitar left and it still sounded exactly the same. Um, That's impressive. Yeah. He's, he's got a fun site. He's got a fun channel. He does cool stuff there too. Okay. Daryl Braun guitars and crimson, crimson, crimson custom guitars. I can talk are both yeah. going to be linked on the YouTube videos on channels too, like in the notes and the YouTube cards. So there's so many cool things now that you have your own very custom, uh, caster guitar. 
Yeah. Do you actually still get to play, like poke around on it? Do you still have time, or is so much of it devoted to Radio Dead Air and dog and cat handling? Sometimes I do. Uh, okay. I, I went over a big revamp of my uh, Stratocaster uh, just before I built the Telecaster. When I, you know, I had a moment, and I went a big revamp. I, I put a nice uh, rosewood pick guard on there that's actually real rosewood and okay. cool stuff. And I updated the pickups and I updated the electronics a bit. Um, one of the, one of the things I wanted to do with when I was putting one together for myself was to make kind of a Swiss Army knife. Um, it's got because a, a typical Stratocaster is a five way switch, um, five positions that you mix the the pickups together. Yeah. Mine has a ten way switch. Um, it's okay. got a separate button that can flip to another setting. Um. So that way I can adjust, I, I have, I can really get a bunch of different sounds from it. It's got one humbucker pickup. It's got two single coil pickups. I can mix and match those to get different sounds out of it. Um, I've adjust, I've got like adjusted the, the way it's wired together, the capacitors, the, 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 the scheme for it. Um, I even have a hidden distortion circuit, uh, a passive distortion circuit built in. You pull the uh, the tone knob up, and you can get just. It's kind of like a Weezer, uh, like the the Buddy Holly era Weezer sound. You can get. Okay. Um, I don't use it quite that much, but it's a neat little feature I have in there. Um, yeah, I one of the things I don't tinker with it too much. I got the whole idea was getting it to a place where I won't have to mess with it. It's mine. I know what it, what it's going to do. I've got the options. It's versatile. And I, I'm, I would, if you gave me all the money, I would build, I would like buy all the guitars. I don't have yeah. all the money. So by setting it up the way I did, um, and it's not hard to do. You can do it yourself. It's just a matter of uh, finding the, the wiring diagrams, and they're all for free on Fender's website. You just figure out how to do it and get the parts. By doing it the way I did, I have a versatile guitar, so I don't need to buy multiple ones. I have two. I've got my Telecaster, which is a very stripped down, basic kind of guitar. And I've got my Stratocaster, which is can get all fiddly and finicky. And I got a bunch of different options for it. And that's all I want. I want. No, I say that's all I want. I want more. I want all the guitars. All you need right now is what you have. Right. right. I've got it to the point where I don't need to get another guitar. And that keeps me from wasting a whole bunch of money. So that way you don't have a wall of guitars for yes. the, um, the family to have to walk around when they have to oh get. Oh God! Yes, yes. I've seen, you've seen, I'm sure you've seen those houses too, where like literally yeah. rooms filled with instruments that collect dust, and you have to walk around and not knock anything over and just hope that nothing yeah, looks out of place. I could because I know so much about vintage. I, I, I'm a big Fender head, gearhead. I know yeah. so much about the amps and the guitars over the years and the different models. And if I could, I would have like. I would get like a Mary Kay Fender and I would get like um, uh, a classic 69 and I would get like, you know, some of the, the reissues and stuff like that because I just, I love them. So I, I'm a big fan of them, but yeah, they're completely impractical. Yeah, exactly. It's a luxury for sure. And unless yeah. you, unless you do grow another set of arms, I don't know how much it's really going to benefit you to have that many until yeah. you can play two at a time. <laughs> So, I mean, that's so cool to hear, though, that it actually is possible. And it's also, I didn't know that either, that it's actually, they have the diagrams for body and wiring work on their website, like Fender and things like that. Yeah, part of it is so musicians can do their own servicing. Part of it is so smaller shops can service them. I mean, it's it's not really one of those things where it's like Apple Care for these guitars. I mean, because yeah. there's a tradition going all the way back to when they were first 
uh, available of people messing around. The, uh, perfect example, uh, the Stratocaster. Um, I told you about the five-way switch. Didn't have one initially. Had a three-way switch. Um, it was, you got the uh, neck pickup, the bridge pickup, and the middle pickup by themselves. And guitarists screwing around in the 50s, they did something called the match uh, the matchstick trick. And they, if they jammed a matchstick while the switch was between position one and two and bet bet between position two and three, they got a blend of the neck and middle pickup and the bridge in the middle pickup. So they, they kind of screwed around and made their own five-way switch. And it wasn't until the 70s that Fender officially made a five-way switch for the Stratocaster. But that's, yeah, it's that, that's the kind of thing. Nobody owns... Aside from the patents, Fender allows people to play around with their guitars. Uh, to to uh, from all the manufacturers do, I think. Really, that's. I mean, I just love that because how many companies you know who actually have a piece of whether technology or advanced equipment would freely, openly put their plans and everything online. Said, here's how we did it. Here's everything else. If you want to be able to repair it yourself, but it's 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 kind of just been a tradition because when it started, there there wasn't anything like a officially licensed repair center. And you, you like back because this started back in like uh, early fifties is when the first telecaster, well, the broadcaster. What? Well, yeah, that's a whole thing. Um, but yeah, when the first, it was like early fifties, 52, something like that. So if you wanted a, a service for it, you had to go to a luthier, uh, you're out on the road, you have to stop in a specific town. You can't go around looking for an official, there was no such thing, officially licensed Gibson or officially licensed Fender dealer or repair center. Yeah. Um, they, you just had to have, and that's, that's where the tradition <laughs> that Fender would put these out, make them available. You could mail in for them. Um, they, they, they would send you diagrams for guitars, for amplifiers, all the stuff you needed to service them. And that's kind of, you, one of the things you can't get musicians to do is change. They don't like, <laughs> they don't like changing their way of doing things. And since it's kind of picked up from one generation of musicians to the next, to the next, to the next, the next, it's, it's kind of carried down from all the way back and yeah you're right there there is no other um kind of um the video i did that you're going to link to uh, about yeah. the fender blues man it, it's an amplifier but um the marshall amplifiers which is th that is a mainstay of rock and metal and it, the, the wall of marshalls you know about that yeah um, the marshall amplifier the original marshall amplifier is a copy of the 1959 Fender basement right down to the circuit. The only different difference is they used parts that were easily available in the UK, but it's the exact same circuit and they just completely stole it. And this happened a lot back and Fender's just sort of like, well, we don't have a, we don't service the UK. I mean, they had, if you wanted to get a Fender amplifier over there, you had to import it. It was super expensive. Wow. So like, we don't service the UK. We'll just kind of, okay, you make your own shit. Canada trainer uh amplifiers did the exact same thing they they uh the yb1 is a copy of the 1959 fender basement and they, they it's it's just um there are some things that you can't really patent because they're kind of intuitive um that's why uh there are so many clones of fender guitars out there pretty much what you get when you buy fender is quality and service plan and that sort of stuff but 
you can get comparable stuff from a whole bunch of different people. And that's just, it's a whole different way of competing with musical instruments that it's, it's not, it's not in any other industry I can think of Not even cars. Well, cars are even more. Yeah. I can't imagine they would even try to do something like that. Yeah. Ugh. I think there'd be lawsuits. Just there'd be jobs lost if they even recommended something like that. Get out of our office. Oh yeah. Especially now that everything's going to electric and, you know, computerized and all that. Yeah. They don't share shit like they used to. Yeah. Tesla's not sharing all those designs anytime soon. No. So that's, that's crazy. If that's so awesome to see, please check out Nash's video in the comment section below and in the YouTube card. You can check it out also in the comments of if you're listening on a podcast or some audio format like Spreaker or Stitcher or Spotify. So I want to ask this. Um, you have so many cool things with Radio Dead Air that are ongoing. Is there anything special that you're working on right now with Radio Dead Air or just like any other special videos you have coming down the pipeline? I have been, uh, well, we've kind of... Uh... You don't have to say anything you don't want to if it's a surprise. Well, I've 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 kind of gotten waylaid a little bit this year, health issues. Um, okay. I want to get back at it because I it's 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 killing me not to get my videos at a regular pace. I want to do some more about I do fantasy video review, uh, fantasy movie reviews. I'm trying to get back to that. So going back to here, there be dragons. Yeah. And another thing, an idea that popped into my head just last night, um, and this might interest anyone out there who does recording or does home either for voice or musicians. Um. I am going to attempt to construct a silent computer. Um, completely silent, no fans, no, no noises, which means I'm going to try to put together a computer that you can record from sitting in the room with you and have no background noise off of it whatsoever. So like, this is like completely like the fan makes no fan noise, no like hard drive noise. There is no fan. There is no hard drive. It's it's SSD. It's passive cooling. Um, it's a DC to DC converter power adapter. It's super low power. It doesn't go over 200 watts. So wow. it, it's but yeah, it's I I'm looking at it. it it's it'd be based off the AMD uh, um, Radeon, not Radeon, Ra- uh, AMD Ryzen 5 and Ryze, actually Ryzen 3 2200G. And here's the best part the build I've got doesn't cost more than 300 bucks. So for under 300, like you're actually going to have something that's recordable computers, like for in studios or even just for any, like either like just that could be for streamers and things like that too, that like really like to broadcast. And based on the size of the case you get, it can be portable too. Cause it's got a, it's, it's going to use a a power brick just like your laptop would. That's smart. So it's, it's a, it's based off a micro ATX uh, motherboard, which is super small one, um, lightweight because there's no hard drive in there. It's just so based on depending on whatever case you get to put it in, it, it, it doesn't make any noise. It doesn't weigh very much. It's portable. It's cheap. And it's got USB. You can just plug in a USB mic. You can plug in a USB mixer. And it doesn't make any background noise of its own. And I know, I know if you've ever me trying to record next to my computer i've got a limiter on this thing i've got a compressor to keep my background noise to minimum the idea that you could build a recording pc just for audio and not have to worry about the background noise that fascinated me so yeah i'm, I'm thinking about after uh con bravo i'm thinking about putting the parts together so it's so cheap and making a video about it that's huge that if you're able to like actually do that and like set up how that could be a huge game changer for a lot of 
like home studio recording sessions and just for anything like that, because that's always going to be in the back of people's minds, trying to filter out any external noise and artifacts due to computers and like recording equipment. You could, you could technically use stuff like an iPad or whatnot, but those are so expensive. Um, this, this would be something that would be considerably low cost. It would run windows or Linux if you want. Um, it, it would be easy to maintain and even a laptop even a laptop has um fan noise especially right. when you start using it because of the way laptops design everything's squeezed together it gets so hot in there start, it just goes the, the yeah, fan yeah. kicks up this wouldn't have that and it would be the, the main draw about this would be it would be cheap and it would be silent which are, you know you get silent with like an ipad or an expensive uh phone but those aren't cheap and you get uh, cheap with, with most computers, you know, with a laptop or something, but it's not silent. This would be kind of blending those two together. That's awesome. So hopefully we get to see that after you get Comprovo, you can start piecing that together and really working for that. Also Comprovo sounds like a blast. I wish I could be there with some of the other guys. It didn't work out this year. Hopefully next year though. I know, I know it was a big thing. Um, I'll tell you off the, um, after recording what happened with all that, but unfortunately, but hopefully it'll be next year. Um, so just to wrap up everything, um, one, I can't have Dom bother me at Con Bravo. That's great. However, I will miss everyone there. And also just to like really give another pitch again, please tell people how they can find Radio Dead Air online and when they can and when they can find you. We're live every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, live.radiodeadair.com. Um, I have a YouTube channel. Just search for Radio Dead Air. It's very easy to find. Um, and I, I, that's where I keep, uh, the live, what the fuck is wrong with you each week? Keep that updated. That updates every Saturday morning. Um, got a Patreon as well. And the Patreon gets you an MP3 of what the fuck is wrong with you. So you don't have to convert it yourself or download it. Just boom. There you go. Um, gets early access to stuff and yeah, all of all that. So awesome. Check it out every Monday night, guys. I'm going to be watching tomorrow. I know a lot of other people will. You can join the chat room also, which is a free yep. chat room to join in if you really want to in- interact with Nash as he tries to break down good music and bad people all at the same time. Um, everything else is going great. Um, please, again, check out Radio Dead Air. You can find Nash on Twitter at Nash um, at Nash076. Yes, 076. Yes. Because I, I didn't plan to brand myself well when I started this. <laughs> Fair enough. So you can also find that. I'm going to link Nash's channel on YouTube through this YouTube card and in the description below. Please check it out and um, don't do anything too stupid or else you will end up on Nash's show. Yes. Yes. <laughs>